powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I am Andrew Berkshire, your host for the evening and most evenings when it's not uh, Mark Dumont stepping in for me, which will be happening a lot more actually in February as uh, I'm going to take some time off. But what a game the Montreal Canadiens just played. You wouldn't guess it from the shot counter, but I think that doesn't really tell the story of the game tonight. Uh, specifically, Raphael Harvey Pernard. We're going to talk about him a lot tonight because what a coming out party for that young man and what a great story he is in general. And uh, we're going to talk about Kirby Doc, who was a menace tonight, and all sorts of other stuff. The return of Jake Allen, who was once again very sharp against the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know what he does, what he hates about the Red Wings. Maybe it was, you know, starting his career in St. Louis, but uh, lots to talk about tonight between missed high sticks and caught high sticks and follow throughs and all that. But first, uh, I got to tell you guys that we're going to welcome in one of our favorite guests in a moment. Uh, Lori Bennett is here. It's been a while. There've been some times where Lori was supposed to come on and then I couldn't do it or she couldn't do it. So I think the last time she came on was when uh, Nick Suzuki's mom came on, actually, Amanda. So it's been a while. I'm really excited to hear from Lori. But before we bring her in, think you know which way it's going to go. Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, let's welcome in our guest, Lori Bennett. How are you? I'm well, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing great. Mostly. Tired. Mostly great. <laughs> the weather in Montreal, I think, is much like it is here in Toronto. Yes, yes, we got uh, totally, I want to say drenched, but it's not the right term. We got like piled on. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, it's okay. That's part of living in Canada. It's part of life here. It comes once in a while, but uh, I prefer the big dumpings of snow to happen in like the afternoon instead of overnight. Because when I got to wake up in the morning and try to get my oldest to school for 7.50 in the morning, that's that's a tough thing to do. (laughs) That that is... That is a tough thing to do. I don't know. I, I live in a condo, so I don't have to shovel too much. But uh, once in a while, I get caught somewhere where I need to shovel. But I remember when I lived on the East Coast, my favorite part of snow shoveling was shoveling out, going inside to get ready for work, coming back out to discover the plow had buried you back in. <laughs> and you had to start all over <laughs> before you go to work. So hopefully you didn't have to tackle that this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's something you got to deal with. It's just the way it goes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's, it's, it's not yeah, a big deal. <laughs> exactly. You, you get the old massage gun out and get it on your back after. It's all right. But okay. uh, I want to talk. Let's start the show. I want. We're going to talk about Raphael Harvey Pernard a lot, but I want to save it a little bit because I just want to stew on it and let people think about it more because he's just so exciting tonight. I want to start the show with a talk about Kirby Doc because... I don't know if you watched the, uh, the the video that the Canadians posted a couple days ago now, I think, Laurie. It was like Kirby Doc mic'd up at practice, and it was clearly earlier in the season because there were guys in that practice who were currently on the injured list. But uh, it was pretty funny, specifically a, a part where Doc is like going around talking about how he's having the greatest practice of his whole life. He's scored like six or seven times in this like makeshift scrimmage they're having. 
and he's so confident and he's like kind of watching the puck turns around and he runs straight into Martin St. Louis who's standing still at center ice, but he, he's standing still with his feet right beside each other. Not like planted in any way that gives him stability hands in his pockets. And he like ran right into Martin St. Louis and doc is the one who almost falls over and St. Louis just kind of takes like a half step back and he's like, watch where you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see that. It was, yeah, he barely moved him. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. He, he's looking good. He's he's not just having good practices anymore. He's playing. He's he's delivering on the ice. He's looking great. Yeah, and we had uh, a comment here. I can highlight comments now on, on the stream, which is kind of fun. It'll, they show up on the YouTube uh, thing. We had a comment here. I'm just going to grab it, talking about how Doc has uh, started to grow into his big boy body, which. Is true. I mean, I don't know when it happened, but there something happened uh, with Doc relatively recently. Here, I'm going to throw that up on the screen for everybody from from K Twenty Two Paper Dolls, saying Doc is finally settling into that big boy frame. I have a feeling it had something to do with some of the hits that he's taken lately. But all of a sudden, Kirby Doc. I don't think he ever lacked physicality. I think his physicality came through like protecting the puck. That's what yeah. he like has really excelled yeah. with all season, but he's been taking no prisoners lately. Like he is throwing the body. There was one game a few games ago now where he just skated through somebody on the blue line. I forget who it was, but the guy tries to stand him up and like, he just kept going and like, just, just barreled him over. I forget, forget which de uh, defenseman it was, but he's just been, uh, He's, he's figured out how to use his size in a, in a way that's different. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think part of that is confidence, to be honest. Uh, early yeah. in the season when, or earlier in the season when he's playing wing for Suzuki and, and everyone's like, oh, you know, like they've traded for this center and now they're turning him into a wing and oh, another center in Montreal playing wing. And of course, whatever, like, you know, it's, it, you know, the benefit, the biggest benefit of, of that at that time, I think was that, he was able to find his confidence. There was no pressure with playing center. And he was, he was playing with two guys who definitely lacked no confidence. And I think it was good for him. And I think it was good for him to, to maybe miss playing center a bit and maybe miss leading his own line. And uh, he's, he's looked fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Like I was, I was blown away that he just dropped his gloves tonight and then right? laid out. Yeah. Like just, I'm just sitting there going like, is, is this really Kirby doc? But you know, he's a big kid. Like he, he can handle himself if he needs to. And he's just, that's not been the direction he's gone in, but he looks like he's ready to go there now. Yeah. It seems like he's becoming like that fully rounded player that everyone wants him to be. Right. And I don't think we all want, Kirby Doc dropping the gloves yeah. every every couple yeah. games. Like he's not, he doesn't need to be Arbor Jack guy who we also don't want to be fighting every yeah. single game. But it it is really cool to see him stand up for himself in that way. And I know that he he might get a call from NHL player safety and get the five thousand dollar fine, the maximum allowable under the C CBA for his uh, little half slew foot uh, in the the second period there. Which I I don't know to me. It looked more like a push than a slew foot, but the fact that he went out there and got the guy who hit him from behind a little Same bit dirty. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, you kind of love the, yeah. the revenge stuff. And when somebody yeah. can stand up for themselves instead of uh, counting on uh, Arbor Jack guy to do it, it adds something to the team as well. 
for years, for years, fans are talking about, you know, bring in, bring in Delorier or bring in some other player who, you know, can, can carry, you know, can fight if they need to defend the players if they need to. And I've never been convinced the Habs need a goon <laughs> or not, mm. not to call Delorier goon. I mean, he brings a little bit more than a goon, I guess, but, but, you know, just like, it's been so long since the Habs have had players who can just stand up for themselves who won't be pushed around and, and are able to push back. And yeah, once in a while, show them, I'm not, I'm not going to be intimidated. I, I can drop the gloves if I want to. It's not how I'm going to play, but I will if I need to. And uh, that's, that's been a nice, a nice change this season. It has. And Romelli in the chat says that uh, Doc built his confidence playing with Suzuki and Cole. And I, I fully agree with that in terms of his offensive confidence, but I think a lot of the good things in his game were present right off the start of the beginning of the season oh, for sure. when he was playing center. He Like the puck control, it's just that he, things weren't necessarily generating offense. And then he realized how gifted offensively he could be playing with those two guys when they were just lights out, right? And now he doesn't need them anymore, which is yeah, he's carrying pretty great. Yeah, he's, he's looking good. He's, he's looking really good. Um, and... You know, the the whole debate that's happening now, I don't know if you've seen much of this online, but who's going to be the true one C? Will Doc be better than Suzuki? Is he going to outscore Suzuki even this season? And I'm thinking, like, to me, it's like going to, like, a a top-class steakhouse and saying, now, which is better? Is it your your baseball steak or is it your tenderloin? Like, well, they're, (laughs) they're really good steaks, and it depends on, you know, what you're feeling. Uh, and by the way, we got several other steaks on the menu that are also pretty good. Uh, the Habs are allowed to have more than one good center. They don't have to be in a competition together, ex- except for a healthy competition. But you know, when when the Habs the Habs fans have been so deprived of of strong top six centers in Montreal that now it's like, oh, it must be one of them that's going to be really. Uh, I I think that by the time this rebuild's done, we're going to have three, maybe four guys who can play solid center in the top six in Montreal. Yeah. That, and that's where I see this going. Um, that, and that's, what's so exciting yeah, about what's going yeah. on right now. Right. I mean, even just this last draft, uh, I don't know if Philip Mishar is going to end up playing center in the NHL. Uh, if he makes the NHL, if things pan out for him properly, I think like he looks like he, an NHL when you watch him, but uh, <laughs> this whole idea of like, who's going to be the number one center. I think it's a little bit, one of those situations where you're comparing somebody who's ice cold to somebody who is red hot and it, it's it's just not a fair comparison and the pressure that's put on Nick Suzuki versus Kirby Doc is just completely different like there there's such a difference between being not only the captain but also the first guy called upon in literally every, every situation. single situation yeah. I cannot, I can't get there with like the people who want to, like, I don't, I know it's, you don't need to knock Nick Suzuki by saying you think doc might be better, but it kind of feels like knocking on Nick Suzuki right now from a lot of sectors of Habs Twitter. And I think this is something that we also, I wanted to talk about as well. If there's anyone on this team who is currently playing injured because the Canadians just don't have anybody left to bring up to the nhl it's nick suzuki yeah absolutely he's got no pop in his skating right now whatsoever yeah there was there was a spot in the um in the four on three in overtime where you know he wasn't in a wide open shooting lane but it was the kind of spot that earlier in the season 
Suzuki probably would have, you know, opened himself up a bit and taken a shot. There was, you know, there was no one really in front of him. He would have, he would have found the lane and took the shot, but he just passed off. And to me, there's something not quite right there with Suzuki, but like how short are our memories? Do you remember earlier in the season where he was just scoring at will? Um, and it, like, you know, for me, it's just, it's two different centers. It's, it's two different guys who, which is exactly what you need in your top six. You need, you know, like everyone talks about the Suzuki Caulfield combination. Oh, does Caulfield belong with Doc now? I hope we get to a point where we're not talking about who must play where. I hope we get to a point where in the top six, people are versatile and interchangeable. And, and every night the, uh, the opponent is wondering, how they're lining up tonight and who we're, who are we going to have to shut down tonight? Um, that's, that's when we'll know the rebuild went well. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. And the yeah. thing about like, and this is a great comment from uh, Mark Dumont who says, uh, even if Nick Suzuki's not scoring, he does about a hundred or a thousand crucial things a game, uh, in the neutral zone. Right. Yeah. You look at the power play. When does the power play function? It's when Nick Suzuki gets the puck into the offensive zone right he's he's the guy yeah. who continually has to do all of that work i'm, I'm just trying to reorient the uh the screen capture for the comments because when people put long comments and i highlight them it just like cuts them off but now everyone can see mark's comment <laughs> but uh yeah suzuki he brings so much more to the team than just production from like his quiet leadership yeah. capabilities his defensive tendencies like i i really like kirby doc but I think the way fans should look at it is less like Suzuki versus Doc and more like whether it's going to be Fantilli or Bedard or whoever as the 1C and then it's going to be Suzuki, Doc, and either Beck or Evans or Meshar, whoever. That's your competitive one, two, three, four that gets you a Stanley Cup. It is. And, and you know, you look at the rosters of other cup teams and – they had other guys in their top six who could play center. They didn't have the true left wing center, right wing. They had, you know, you, you think about the thing I, I always say is if, is if Malkin can play wing, if Dreisaitl can play wing, so can Suzuki or Doc or Bedard or Fantilli or Dubois or whoever it is, Will Smith or Dvorsky or whoever winds up in Montreal come, come summer. Um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be loading up with guys who can be more versatile in in mm-hmm. in that top six or in that top nine, and that's when they'll be. That's when they'll be ready to contend. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm with you there. Now, I, there's a comment here from uh, from Kay. She's uh, no, it wasn't that one. It was um, talking about Nick Suzuki and whether or not he's injured right now. Should the Canadians be trying to find someone? to just fill time so that he can sit out. I think that like, there's so much talk about the Canadians medical staff right now. And we had Rachel Dory on last show and she talked about Adam Douglas, who's the Canadian strength and conditioning coach, because that sector of the Canadians has been highly criticized recently. You know, you missed 990 man games to injury in the last year and a half. That makes sense. You're going to get some questions, but he is in the NHL circles, like the number one most respected person in that frame of work. So I think we're seeing a lot of end result and we don't actually have the information to make judgments Mm 
on a lot of this stuff. Like Suzuki could be injured right now in a way that isn't going to get worse from playing. There are injuries that happen that that happens, right? Yeah. Like you, he just have a, a, a couple sprained muscles in his legs or something that are preventing him from having that first step, you know? Uh, but also you, in a season like this, you want to be able to sit guys who are injured. So you're not risking anything. But in Suzuki's case, it's not like you have to find some guy to fill some minutes. You have to find 25 minutes. For sure. And, you know, like the other thing, keep in mind, they have two more games before they, they're off for 11 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzuki's not going to be at the All-Star game breaking his neck. Like, you know, he'll be, that'll be a rest for him as well. And, uh, you know, then, I mean, once we're back from maybe even before, um, I think there will be some bodies that are coming back in trades. There will be salary dumps yep. that come back that fill positions. There will be, you know, there will teams won't be able to take on giant contracts for the, from the Habs without sending back a player here and there. And, uh, and that'll be fine on expiring contracts or lesser contracts than what they're giving up. Um, so maybe there will be some reprieve. I mean, Monaghan's coming back shortly. Um, he'll be, he'll be around for a few games before he goes to Colorado. Uh, then, uh, <laughs> then, you know, like we'll see what happens from there, but maybe some rest will be enough for Suzuki to be in a different space. I, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's playing on a, on an injury that they're going to make worse so that they kill his career on this. That's probably just something that's quite uncomfortable to play with right now. And some rest will be good. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I think people were kind of freaked out by the suddenness of Cole Caulfield being shut down. Right. But I think we all have to look at the factors that went into that. Uh, Number one, the new contracts coming up. I would assume that Caulfield getting the surgery now to be ready in time for next season was something that the Canadians heavily pushed through his agent to like, let's get this done now and then we'll sign the contract. And also, you know, if you're monitoring him constantly and something changes, then you pull him out. That is still good medical practice. You know what I mean? It's it's easy yeah. to see it from afar and say, like, there's something going wrong here. But yep. we just we don't have access to that kind of information. So it ends up being just speculation. And <laughs> Kay actually had another good comment here saying, like, yeah, there's only a couple games left before the break, but a couple of them are against the Ottawa Senators. So that's like five games worth of injuries. <laughs> that's a good point there. Th- those games can get a little nasty. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be it won't be too nasty and he'll be able to get to a break soon. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Nick. The thing with Caulfield, I mean, you know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's accidental that, that just like, you know, he, they announced he was going, he was out on Saturday, was it? And then the Wednesday right before uh, Kent Hughes is doing his presser and says, you know, we might have to get better at, you know, to, to, you know, getting players not to screw themselves over. He didn't say it that way, but do a better job of working with our players to take better care of themselves or whatever, make, mm-hmm. make decisions for themselves for the long term or whatever. I forget exactly how we put it, but, but, you know, I, I'm sure that Caulfield was, was in his mind. I'm sure they were aware at that point, they were watching an injury to see uh, where, where it would go. And no doubt Caulfield wanted to play. He was still scoring and still, you know, like you, you couldn't tell from his play on the, the ice, certainly that he was hurting. Um, 
So no doubt he wanted to continue, but, um, I, you know, the right decision got made in the end. So, and, yeah, you know, the thing I the thing, the joke I always make with that is, you know, this isn't this isn't the same as, you know, Shea Weber playing on broken legs for however long and, you know, playing at like 10 percent of his capacity and looking like a pylon on the ice, you know, because he's hurting all season long and then being on medication, you know, serious medication to get through playoffs where he looked great. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's not where we are with this. It's, you know, he, he looked, he looked good. It was a short term injury and now he's having surgery. If it was the previous regime probably would have played him all season and announced his surgery in July <laughs> that he'd be coming back in February or something. Right. You know, just so that it, this isn't, this is improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it is. And I think a lot of the, the frustration comes from, I don't want to say PTSD because I feel like that's like yeah. not the, it's minimizing something. that's like a real serious condition, but for sure yeah. the sports version of that, like the, the <laughs> tiny little bit of it yeah. where people remember things like you see the frustration with Slavkovsky and they're comparing it to Kokaniemi, like Kokaniemi yeah. wasn't playing or working with a skills coach every day. Right. Yeah. And you see the Cole Caulfield thing and they're looking at like Carey Price and how many times he came back from er injury too early, injured himself again, Shea Weber playing through injuries. And I think after watching that cup run in 2021 and seeing like Carey Price essentially, like I know he played five games, but essentially never came back. Shea Weber never came back. Paul Byron came back for a short stint and he looks done. Eric Stahl missed a whole year. You know, and yeah. I think I'm missing a player as well. Brendan Gallagher has never been the same, right? No. Like those guys sacrificed either years of their career or their career entirely to make that cup run happen. Happen. So people are looking at recurring injuries or big injuries, and they're freaking out. And I totally understand that, yeah. but we got to put everything in context. Um, uh, speaking of freaking out about <laughs> injuries, people are talking about uh, Joel Edmondson in the chat. Yeah. So, I, I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's an ingrown toenail that just yeah. got <laughs> just got too uncomfortable and he decided to call it a night. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe he tried to like catch a puck and his finger went backwards a little bit or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I also I'm I'm thinking it's probably not serious and maybe he got a stinger and they decided it's not worth it. But that would really burn if the Canadians lost Joel Edmondson and couldn't get a pick for him. He's the, I mean, I was freaking out all last season. Every time I saw Sherratt, you know, decide that he was going to, you know, there was one night Sherratt fought last year, getting close to the deadline. And I wanted to locate him and throw punch him. It's like, knock it off until, yep. until you're, once you're traded, you can fight whoever you want. Uh, and I, like I was, you know, promoting that moving quickly and deal with the, you know, avoid the injury thing. But I think with Joel Edmondson, that's a real risk. I mean, Sherrod has been a pretty healthy figure a player and I, you know, it, it worked out just fine. It worked out really well, actually. But, uh, but I, I worry about Edmondson and worry about whether he has the longevity to, to get, to get a return. Uh, yeah. That's, that's I think player it, I'd like to see to move quickly. If it's anything, but his back, I feel like I'm not that concerned. 100%. They said it's lower body. So unless his back got like grew, <laughs> unless part of his injury was that his back dropped to his lower body. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it should be fine. 
when Rachel was on the show yesterday, or not yesterday, a couple days ago now, she was talking about how like one of the leading causes of foot injuries in the NHL is players know that there's really nothing protecting the top of your foot on your skates. Even if you're wearing like the shot blockers, it's just kind of fabric on the top. So players kind of like use the heel of their stick and jam it down on top of skates. Maybe you just got one of those and it it hurt, you know, like when you get it across the top of the bones of your foot, could be a stinger, got a little swollen, decided to take the rest of the game off. Yeah, Habs confirmed it's lower body, so hopefully not lower back. That's 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 all I'll say on on yeah. Joel Edmondson. Did they actually say lower body or LBI? Because we gotta be careful with those things. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Uh, yeah, they said lower lower body, but uh, yeah, Simon Laramie in the chat's asking uh, who is the guest. It's Lori Bennett. She's Lori Ten Habs on Twitter. She writes about the Canadians for uh, Rackhouse Press and her own blog. Uh, and is great a great follow on Twitter, so check her out. She's uh, really smart, and you'll enjoy her her uh, commentary. I promise. Um, before we get to the Raphael Harvey Pinard love, because we are going to get there, I do want to make mention of Justin Barron because he looked fantastic tonight. And I know the numbers probably don't look amazing because the Canadians didn't own the puck very well tonight, but. If there was anybody who was on their game who was making good play after good play after good play, it was Justin Barron, especially in the first period. I really liked this trade, and I I'm I fall into the category of those people who loved Lekkonen and loved that uh, you know hated that he didn't get enough love in Montreal, and uh, you know his timing seemed to be poor. That the kind of player he was, Abs didn't have the players to go with him, and. Colorado really, really did. And, and they, they're using him perfectly. Um, but I like the return they got for him. I, you know, I liked the Justin Barron deal. Uh, Sidney Crosby thought it was a really, you know, it was really surprised that Colorado let him go. Uh, so I've been wanting to see him shine and uh, was disappointed with his camp. But certainly he's looked great since, um, since coming back, particularly in the last two or three, well, three or four games. Um, and uh, I, th- I think that he's, his upside is higher than most fans appreciate just yet. I, think I agree. Be, I think he's going to be solid. It's his offensive game that's come so far this season that has like, surprised me. I knew he had like a good shot. And like we talked to a couple scouts last season. They were like, yeah, probably a defensive defenseman might chip in 20 points a season. I think he's got a lot more than that in yeah. in him, especially if he can get some second unit power play time, which, you know, he probably deserves with the defenseman that they have on the club right now. I am very impressed with him. I feel like his game against the Jets was kind of the coming out party. I think he had three primary assists in that yeah. one, playing against his brother. You know, it yeah. always brings the best out of you to to go up against a sibling, and both of you get mad at each other, all that stuff. But uh, he is just taking it to another level in recent games. And I know a lot of that has been, um, you know, he was put with Edmondson when he first came up and Edmondson was still playing God awful hockey. Yeah. And you know, it sucks that he got injured now, but I, I feel like Edmondson the last couple of weeks has steadily been getting cons- like much, much better. The mental mistakes have not yeah. been, uh, have not been as present. So that has also helped Baron acclimatize. I think, I think the future of Baron is probably with, Gooley, that's my guess. Uh, and I know that everyone, you know, has Gooley pegged as 1D. Yeah, maybe he is. Um, 
you know, I see, I see potential for that pairing to, I think that there's a good, uh, a nice complementary skill set there. Either way, I, you know, I think, I think Barron's top four and I think he's probably potentially your second, uh, second unit on power play. I think that's his, his potential in the next couple of years. And, um, I think, I think we're going to be surprised by, by his capacity. That's so I'm glad to see him look good because if he came back and it was, and struggled again and ended up going back to Laval, uh, I, I, I'd be worried about, you know, the, uh, I'd be worried about his confidence and feeling a little bit, uh, you know, that it, that it might hit him harder than would be healthy at this stage, but he's looked great. Yeah, he really has. All right. Let's talk about Raphael Harvey Pinard. We've made them wait long enough. <laughs> You know, I, I got a text a few weeks ago asking when the Canadians are going to call up Raphael Harvey-Pinard from somebody who works for another NHL team. And they were saying, you know, like, this kid deserves to be called up. He's done everything he needs to do at this level. He's an NHLer. And I was like, wow, I, could, I know he's ha- he had a good AHL career, but I, I didn't know that he was, like, to the point where he should definitely be in the NHL. And the guy was like, yeah, like, the closest comparable that he could think of was Michael Bunting. He's like, this guy has the potential to be another Michael Bunting. I was like, that's a really lofty comparison. It is. I saw that tonight. That, uh, you know, both, you know, both his goals were, uh, you know, they, they were different goals certainly, but they spoke to different aspects of the skills that he's not just a crasher and banger. Like no. he's, he, he will get goals like that, but he's got good hands. And he can skate. Uh, and, and I think that that's the, you know, they call him LeValliger, is it? I, you know, I LeValliger, has, yeah. I think he has potential to be better in Gallagher. Um, you know, and Gallagher certainly brings something else in terms of his defensive game and, and you know, the possession game. That, that's a different, you know, a different skill set that's, that that's served the Habs really well for a long time. But in terms of, you know, offensive skill, I, I think that, I think it's possible that, our HP is, is he has potential to, to be better than Gallagher in the uh, offensive zone. Uh, the thing I liked about them tonight, uh, not just, not just him, but the line. And I think it's been some, something that Montreal struggled with this season is, is they've never had a true fourth line that knew what they were. And tonight they played with, <laughs> with 11 forwards and you still, and, and had a, a line that understood their role as what do you call them three and a half or whatever they are, but they understood their role differently. And I think most fourth lines we've seen play in Montreal this year, because they've had so many forwards, you've had guys like Hoffman and uh, Dodonov and, you know, other guys that Armia and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on drew players who don't see themselves as fourth liners. That's not where they want to be playing. And, and Evans. And then of course, Lefkowski. Uh, spent a lot of time there with Evans and Zeta. That wasn't exactly an ideal setup either. You know, there's something to be said for having guys cast appropriately. And that, that's not to say that I think uh, Raphael's ceiling is, uh, is fourth line, but those guys know, they know how to play together for starters because of their time in Laval, but they knew what their role was tonight and, and they played it and it served, it served them very well. They looked fantastic check was fantastic the back check was fantastic and uh and the Habs defense it, it rather enjoyed having that line come back and and 
you know, play as a five-man unit differently than perhaps some of the other lines have played of late. So good for the kid. He looked great. Yeah, he did. And I don't want to take anything away from Pizzetta or Belzeal, who have been no. excellent as well. But I think it's it's yeah. it's clear that Pinard is, Harvey Pinard is the one with the most uh, the oh, highest ceiling for sure <clears throat> among those three. He's the NHLer out of those yeah. out of the three. Let's be honest. You know, like I think I think Belzeal knows who he is. I think Pizzetta. You know, he's I, I've never really seen him as as truly being an a, you know an NHL player on a certainly not on a good team. But he's he's played his part well this year, and he's been a good uh, teammate and and he's you know he's looked good in the last few games he's getting more ice and and he's looked good good for him uh, you know that's not where uh Pinar will stay certainly but um but you know for tonight they were cast well and they they did what they had to do and that's that's what you want right is guys that can play in whatever role you put them in you need you need a handful of those players on every team that can Play in whatever role they're put in, and I feel like he's that player. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, this is there was a comment earlier in the show that I, I've highlighted here from Trizak that asked it, uh, if the energy fourth line is a better fit for Marty's style of coaching over the quote-unquote talent fourth line, and I don't necessarily. I think it's a comparison that gets drawn because Pazetta is on that line right now, but I don't think the issue with the fourth line for most of this season has been like, Oh, putting too much talent on there and they need to be energy guys. I think what Lori was hitting on earlier is like, they were trying to fit square pegs and round holes. You know, like Jake Evans is a defensive two way center, uh, but he wasn't scoring for most of the season. He kind of only just got going right before his injury. And then you had Pazetta, who's kind of like a mucker and a grinder. And you have like Slavkovsky or Hoffman or Dodonov who wants to do like high skill plays. Right. Nothing fit, nothing meshed. It, whereas it just, it just didn't fit, <laughs> you know. It, yeah, for all as these game. three guys, they know where they're going to be on the ice. Yeah. Belzeal knows, like, I need to make simple plays that have a high success rate. And Pizzetta knows, same thing forecheck hard, backcheck hard, hit guys hard. And Harvey Pinard just his competitiveness is incredible, you know, in, in all areas yeah. of the ice, but especially in close to the net. I can't believe he got that backhand off for his second goal <laughs> and, and yeah. roofed it like that. Beautiful. Incredible, <laughs> incredible skill. Yeah. So I, I don't want to diminish their skill by saying no, they're like just energy, but they absolutely bring energy. They do for sure. And, you know, like maybe, maybe the next Hab skill, uh, skill line will be, <laughs> will play with energy. But, you know, I, I think if, I think if you have a fourth line in Montreal next year that has, Milonen and Harvey Pinard and whoever at center, whether that's Evans or, you know, Owen Beck or whoever, uh, and you're able to bring a different, like that, that could be a skilled line, but the, if they, it's about how they fit together. And, and those guys won't mind playing fourth line if they see in front of them is, is three lines that are, that are stronger and, and you're just rolling lines and, and they're getting the, their opportunities. I and mean, that kind of line could dominate other fourth lines in the NHL. So I, I don't, I don't see needing to have that, you know, the old school energy line that, you know, just crashes and bangs and, you know, kills time and wears down the, t- the, the opposition for the next line to come out. But, um, but yeah, it's about fit. And I think the Habs, I, I don't think when they began the season, they ever envisioned having so many misfits for as long as they did. Um, yeah. You know, they, I think they, they imagined, 
being able to move some guys and that just hasn't been the nature of the market this season. So yeah, apparently uh, our bosses here on SDPN on uh, the latest SDP, which I haven't listened to yet had been slandering Raphael Harvey Pinard and according to Kay called him an NPC, a non-playable character. So uh, I guess they had to eat that when he scored <laughs> against Toronto. And I think they'll continue to eat that comment. I, if Steve, Steve is right now very sick, so I'm not going to bug him about it. And Adam will be asleep, so maybe I'll text Jesse and ask him about the NPC in the three-point night tonight. <laughs> I mean, Toronto, you can't rely on them for good analysis, you know? You can't. You can't. They, well, they really only watch a couple of guys. Exactly. They only know <laughs> Toronto stuff. They don't know anything about the league. That's the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think... With the fourth line, it's it's definitely all about fit, and I think like having an energy fourth line that can score is one hundred percent valuable, right? Sure. And I think that uh, the way the league is trending is more having like all four lines that can score, but I yeah. think we shouldn't confuse that with having four lines that play the same way, right? For sure. Like if they have three players that fit together, like. Uh, Belzeal, Harvey Pinard, and Pazetta are playing right now. They don't have to play the same way as Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc. They can score their own way. Right. And I think that teams that can do that, I think, are way harder to match up against. There, there are fans tonight after this game that have the Habs offering contracts to Pazetta and and Bazil so they can reunite that line for all of next year with a fantasy that they'll play every game next year like they did this year and tonight like you know and and that's not likely you know no. it, it's and and not and frankly not a very lofty dream for the team but um but yeah i mean like i, I like like i said i think every team needs a handful of guys that can play anywhere they're maybe your fourth line or your third line but if someone goes down they're not going to hurt you lekinum was that guy he, yep. could, he could be effective on the fourth line or any other line uh, and go out there and adjust his game for whoever. And I feel I feel like it's possible that Herbie Bernard has that in him that he he can that he will go out and play that fourth line role if he needs to and and still bring himself to it. But then if you need to promote him because God knows somebody's leaving the game with an LBI, uh, <laughs> then then he can do that. Um, yeah. So I, I think. I, you know, I, I see him having a nice future there, but he's probably the one out of that line that's, you know, there's, 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 there's probably a, you know, the list of guys on that roster tonight that probably don't have a future in Montreal is significant. <laughs> you know, that's when you think about that. Um, yep. Yeah. And, and there were guys who started the season knowing they had no future in Montreal. And then we ragged on him all season. That that's got to wear on you, right? <laughs> that's got to yeah, wear I mean, on you that I'm on a team that really doesn't want me. They've got me here only as long as they've got to have me, and then they're offloading me to the first first team to come along. Like that's, and then we expect them to go out and bleed for us. <laughs> you know, like that's that's a bit, a bit of a psychological challenge for most of us, I think. But uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you could look at guys like Dodonov, right, who do a lot of things well, and then. Yeah when it's time to go into the corner, especially in the first half of the season, I feel like he's, he's there now he's, he's playing yeah, he's hard now, better. but the first half of the season where even it, when the underlying numbers were good, you watch him on the ice and how often he would shy away from doing what he needed to do. 
you could see some of that mental aspect playing. We're like, eh, do I have to? You know, yeah. <laughs> what what am I competing for here? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it, it's tough. I feel like that's why you see like when you put the veterans in the fourth line, it, it just hasn't been as effective. Whereas these kids who are fighting for something, you know, like right. Belzeal, every game that he's in the NHL is a gift. You know, exactly. he's, he's, exactly. he's pushed so hard for so long for this kind of opportunity. And Harvey Pinard knows like he's not going back down. I, I know for a fact that if he gets to waiver eligibility, there are multiple they're teams. Not, wait, they're waiting. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not going to put him through waivers. No, um, I think he's probably like when you think about it. If if they if they are able to move some guys this season, combined with the injury, they can't afford to send him down. For that matter, like you know, they they don't have enough bodies. Um, but I I think they're kind of, you know, at the beginning of the season where when you know both Gordon and Hughes talked about having guys that they you know they were hoping to you know find new homes for and not quite in that language, but and, you know, they talked about the guys in Laval knocking on the door that, you know, they wanted to open, open roster spots for some young guys who had done their time kind of thing and were ready. And I think Harvey Pinard is one of those guys that they had in mind that um, I, I don't think he's probably going back to Laval. I think he's, I think he's no. asleep and that's good for him. Yeah. It's great. It's a great story. I think him and Yulon or uh, Yulonen, However, it is to say that. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I can't get my head around yeah. saying it properly, but uh, neither of those guys are going back down to Laval any anytime soon, or maybe ever again. Maybe they'll paper them down if they're still eligible. Yeah, because Laval is like pushing towards a playoff spot. Because sure. that's yeah. always fun to be able to go play in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, there's a, a question here from uh, Simon Laramie. Uh, highlight that there it says who do you think has a higher potential harvey pinard or yulinen i think they're relatively similar but i think yulinen has a higher potential because he has a better two-way game but i think harvey pinard might score quite a bit more Does that makes sense yeah i mean like uh, i i think uh well Ulanen, Ulanen, whatever, however you say his name. I think he's uh, like he's struggled each time he's come up. But this time he's looked not struggled, but he hasn't really blown anybody away. He's looked good this time. Yeah, like, he, he looks like he belongs this time. And uh, not that he's ever looked bad. I don't mean that, but um, you know, he's he he if he's playing with Doc, he looks like he fits with Doc. If he's you know if he's playing on a lower line again, I think he's a, he has a little bit of that potential to fit in where he needs to. Um, and, and these are guys that won't cost you a bundle uh, that are good to have in your lineup for a bit. And I think, you know, a little bit like the, like the comparison I made with Doc and Suzuki, I think they're different players. And uh, the best thing that can happen for the Habs is that they can play together. If, if the two of them can play on a line together and be effective and, and, you know, fill in the bottom six, um, that's, that's good news for the Habs. Hundred percent, and uh, I I will say one more thing before we close out the show. For those who are worried about Nick Suzuki, I think we have to put in context the the way that he's playing right now. Right, and it's not just that he's lost both Doc and Cole Caulfield in the last couple of weeks. Here, he's also playing with Anderson and Rem Pitlick, and you know both of them have been playing their hearts out the last couple of games. Anderson just 
uh, ended his, I think, three or four game goal scoring streak. Pitlick ended a game in overtime the other night, you know, playing hard. I think he had two games in a row that he scored. However, both those guys are among the worst defensive players in the entire league. And now they're playing top line minutes. And Suzuki has to carry the bag for both of them. And he looks injured. <laughs> and yeah, like, I find that choice interesting, to be honest. That that trio, I keep, every time the lines come out each for each game, I keep waiting for that trio to be split. And it, it hasn't happened yet. I know the options aren't exactly plentiful. Um, I imagine that, I think it's quite possible that when Monaghan's back, he's playing with Suzuki. That's my that's my hope on it. But uh but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no, no offense to Pitlick or Anderson, who both look good. Pitlick could have ended the game again tonight in overtime if he looked forward instead of back. Holy, like, he kept, he, kept he wanted Doc like, to catch up to him so bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the net's not back there, my friend. Keep like look ahead, <laughs> just keep going. And he's, you know, he's a skilled player. If he, he probably could have ended it tonight, but you know, I, I like Pitlick a lot. But but as you said, neither of those players is blessed with with uh, defensive skill and they're facing tough competition. It's, uh, you know, it, it might be nice to see if, if Monaghan comes back and plays with Suzuki and uh, Anderson, maybe that could, that could look different. Um, I'm not too worried about Suzuki at this point. Uh, no, we, we know like, who he is. We know and who I mean, he is. Look at the roster. It's, it's yeah. a rough crew there right now. It's And like, just for context, Pitlick and Anderson t- tonight uh, against the Red Wings, 25% on the shot attempt differential. Nick Suzuki, 38%. So in the yeah. few shifts that he was away from them, quite good. Up, yeah. Yeah, he, he, quite yeah. good. So I'm I'm just not worried about Nick Suzuki. I think we'll we'll figure out uh the best way forward with him, or the Canadians will figure out the best way forward with him uh very soon as, as players get healthy and maybe he'll get some time with uh guys like Yolonen or or Monahan or or Kaufman, I'm sorry, Hoffman. Just give him something a little bit different of a look yeah. instead of just like it seems like they're like looking at uh, Anderson and Pitlick to just have speed going and like speed. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre but, trio to me. Like it yeah, like yeah, but and it hasn't like I, I keep waiting for it to work for to see what it is that Marty sees in it, and I, it's not happening for me yet. Um, it was great against Toronto. Well, but Anderson was like every once in a while. Anderson has one of those games where uh, it doesn't matter who he's with; he's just true steamroll, and and that's and that seems to happen a lot against Toronto. Uh, so I don't know if that's a fair a fair assessment. But and and Suzuki had a strong night that night. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's they're they're short. They're in they're in dire straits with the number of guys they have and making line combos when you don't have 12 forwards is is more of a challenge. It is absolutely. All right, one last thing before we close up shop for the night. Uh K and Claire Capaletti said that uh, Cole Caulfield has said that he's speaking with the media tomorrow. So prediction oh. Lori, contract extension? Uh maybe though it's I, I'm one of two things. I hope it's the contract extension. It wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, if it's related to all of the questions that are being asked about, you know, whether the team let him play too long and and he's coming out with his sort of, you know, here's how it unfolded. 
nothing uh, nothing particularly dark and twisty happening here just just uh, how it unfolded let's hope it's the contract extension maybe let's hope it's both maybe maybe it'll be both who knows maybe they're he's gonna come back sooner than he thought and let eight years that's all i ask eight <laughs> years i don't think anybody in this organization is foolish enough to do a bridge deal with cole caulfield but having watched it happen the last one it's that same you know, nattering yeah. in the back of your head, right? The Kokniemi thing, the Carey Price thing, and you're like, mm, don't do it. Don't do I it. I think it'll be eight years. All right, everyone. Thanks to Lori for joining me here tonight. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Always fun to chat with uh, both our guest and the amazing people in the chat. Super fun. Uh, Noel and uh, Kay are both uh, giving me credit for the great guests this year. Of course, I mean, Lori was here last year as well because... We knew right away we're bringing back Lori after how great she was several times last year. And uh, we're excited. There's only a few more games left until the Canadians take a break. And uh, February is going to be light on the games for me. I think I have, let's see, it'll be mostly Mark. But uh, I've got games on until the next couple of games here, I'm going to be here. Uh, Mark's going to be on next show against the Senators on Saturday. Then it'll be myself and Ian Boisvert on Tuesday, the 31st of January. And then I have the 14th, 16th, and 18th, which is going to be our Hot Ones gauntlet with Adam Wild, which I'm super excited about. Then I have a small little surgery that I'm getting right here, and I'll be out until March. So there'll be a lot of Mark Dumas on the show so you got to show him love and uh, before we close up shop Lori, tell everyone where they can find your work so i'm Lori ten habs on twitter uh habadder.ca for my uh, habs blog and wreckhousepress.com for uh some, for a weekly sports column absolutely perfect everyone thanks for coming out we'll see you on saturday by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.